Fourth of July was awesome, right? Yeah. Fourth of July was awesome. See, you got me, Skip. Got me going. Uh, you know, uh, it's really great to talk about all those fun things that are going on, and, and right? And it's super exciting. But sometimes life is difficult. It's difficult. I have a lot of family and friends right now who tell me how difficult things are sometimes. Difficult. Difficult physically with physical ailments. Difficult with family dynamics. Difficult in your career. Maybe you work hard. Break your body down. I did for years. I worked highway construction for a long time. And I would be so tired. As a young man, I would be so beat up that when I would get out of my car and get home from work, I would literally get out and just grab my lunchbox and I would walk to the porch and I'd set it down and I'd have to put a hand down. I was in my 20s. Put a hand down, sit down, take my boots off, go in the house. I had no time for my family ever. I was always tired. It sucked for years. Finally got out of it. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me from that. <laughs> um, sometimes when we look at how difficult life can be, we think it doesn't make sense. Right? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't end up the way you planned it, right? I got this really funny saying, write your plans in pencil because God has a big eraser. Right? Right? Sometimes what you think God's doing in your life changes direction and it becomes something else, right? Yeah, right? I remember I started serving in ministry and uh, I, you know, I've shared with you guys, yes, yes, I felt a calling on my life that was going to be big, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't have an idea of what it was. And then for a lot of years, it went in a direction that I was kind of certain what it was, and then it changed. Just like that. Changed. You know, I remember, um, I remember life not making sense because we were, we were plugged into our church, Right? And we were in Whittier, and, and life started, like, really dynamically changing for us as a family, and we were growing stronger, and, and we were building great relationships with friends, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like, my company wants me to move to San Diego, and I'm like, man, I was just starting to build this really good life here. And so, it did make sense, right? I mean, it did. It made sense. Like, here's an opportunity. God put this opportunity here. So, I knew the calling was, well, I'm going to do this. This is what God wants us to do. God's taking us here for this, and he's using this situation to do it. And so, uh, and then I got there, and then, boom. We were involved in ministry, and things were going great. And we're like, wow, we built a brand new family dynamic, friends. We had grown into a larger ministry. My wife and I were the directors of a Celebrate Recovery ministry. We had 40 to 80 people every Sunday night. It was a four-hour activity every Sunday, and we were involved in a lot of things, and we were plugged in, and we thought, this is it. This is what God brought us here for, right? Which it was for a season, because then the opportunity came to move to Northern California, and my, there I go with my big mouth again to my wife. Well, God's moving us to Northern California. He's using the job to do it. 
And then we came here. And then we looked around for a church, right? And we're like, where are we going to go to church? And my attitude was, well, let's just find a big church. Because I always, when we move, I just want to find a big church. Where I can show up and I can punch in my God time card like I was at church on Sunday. And it'll take six months to a year before anybody remembers your name. Before they want to hang out with you on Tuesday night. Before they want to meet for coffee. Before the pastor wants to have dinner with you. Right? And I'm a people person, but usually when they do those things, then they ask you to do something. Right? They're being nice because we're going to ask you to become a part of something. Take a look around here. Half of us aren't here, but there's not a lot of workers, so we're going to ask you to do stuff. If you don't want to work, run now. So uh, the dynamic was we looked around, and then we found this small church. And then my heart changed instantly in the first Sunday here, and I'm like, this is where God wants us to be. Didn't know for what. Here I am two years, two and a half years later, right? So sometimes life doesn't make sense, Right? And sometimes we go through struggles, difficulty. COVID didn't make a lot of sense, right? We were starting to rock and roll, and then COVID came, and we were shut down, you know, for a long time. So how about does life sometimes not seem fair? Oh, I love it. It's not fair, God. It's not fair. I not only did everything right, but I even went above and beyond and did the extra things. And it still didn't work out the way I was hoping it would work out, let alone the way I planned. I had a friend who used to say, Chris, it's okay to make plans. Just don't expect the outcome because you'll always be disappointed. Always. Uh, you know, it wasn't fair to Esau. We're going to use the word fair. Esau was the firstborn. He sold his birthright because he didn't understand that Abrahamic covenant. He didn't understand what he had. Right? We talk, I talked about that. But was it fair that his brother stole the blessing from the dad? Wasn't fair. And what's about to happen to Jacob today isn't going to seem fair. But we reap what we sow. Even then. Even if you're God's chosen. Don't think you've got to get out of sin at the heaven's door free card and that there's not consequence for decisions we make. Sometimes God's going to be like, you're going to be a pastor one day, dude, and I don't like the way you're going. I need you to go this way, so here's a nice two-by-four to the shins. You back on the right path now? Nope. Okay. What else are we going to change around in this guy's life to make it happen? That's how God works, folks. Have you read the Bible? It's not all rainbows and sunshine, okay? You ever been swallowed up in the belly of a whale? Throw me overboard, man. Trying to run from God's will here. So I talk about fair. Anybody ever watch, anybody watch Yellowstone? Where's my Yellowstone fans? Big quote from the show recently I heard. Fair means that one side got what they wanted in a way the other side can't complain about it. Sometimes life's not fair because sometimes you could still complain, right? But no one listens. No one's listening. See, sometimes the other side get what's they, gets what they wanted and you could still complain about it because it didn't come out for you where you could be in a position to not be able to complain, right? 
You ever follow God and have these things happen, family? Yeah, right? You're like, God, I was, I started going to church every Sunday. Then that guy that invited me to come to that men's breakfast, and I said yes, and I was doing that. And then that young man showed up that men's breakfast, and I talked to him for probably an hour, and I know you brought that guy in my life. And then I turned around, Lord, and three months later, this happened. It didn't seem fair. Right? I thought I was doing your will. I thought I was living in your will. Ladies and gentlemen, just because you know Jesus does not mean that life is going to be fair and that life is not going to be difficult. Okay? Have you ever been, let's, let's show you, I'm going to show you here. Have you ever been prophesied over? Blessed with the family inheritance, then blessed with a generational godly blessing of total prosperity, then sent on a godly journey and feel like all the above happens? What's about to happen to Jacob, folks? That's about to happen to Jacob. And we know that we sometimes reap what we sow. Jacob sowed havoc in his family. By the decisions he made. We already talked about all the family dynamics. I already told you. Everybody was at fault. Everybody was at fault. You got dad who knew the prophecy who was like, mm, doesn't matter, I'm still going to bless Esau. You got mom who was not going to let that happen. You got Esau who already sold his birthright to his brother because he was hungry. Because that shows how, much, how important it was to him. And then you had Jacob who came along and listened to mom and deceived to get it. He's going to reap what he sows. Crazy thing to say, pastor. That's right. God orchestrated that whole situation. God allowed these things to happen for all those things to take place, for Jacob to end up where he was and Jacob to become who he was and Jacob to end up with his children that he's going to have and we're going to read about it today. But it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult and it surely doesn't seem fair. But God's in control. So don't complain to him or me when things aren't looking right. I'm just kidding. So Genesis 29, 1 through 30, I think, there it is, I got it up there. So you can follow along there. You can follow along in your handout. We're going to read this scripture, and then we're going to get into my notes here. Jacob went. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east, and he looked and saw a well in the field. Behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone away from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to my brethren, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Not his daughter Leah. Rachel. This is who he's going to see first, Rachel. Then he said, look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, we cannot 
until all the flocks are gathered together, and they have rolled a stone away from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. That is not an easy job. Okay? And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, and that Jacob went near and rolled the stone away from the well's mouth. Jacob went to work. Pick that up there. Jacob worked here. So Jacob went near and rolled the stone away from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was his father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him. I like these people ran. And embraced and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? So for one month, Jacob's working, right? Pick that up there. He's working for him. And he says, Tell me what your wages, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. Leah was not working, feeding her daughters, taking care of the sheep, any of that, right? And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, instantly fell in love. Love at first sight. You ever have that? I did. Love at first sight. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So the agreement was made. Seven years are going to pass right now, folks. It's 2022. Seven years are going to pass right now, folks. Difficulties. Life probably hasn't seemed fair at some points. Think you've ever asked himself, like, wow, was this seven years worth it? He's going to ask himself that in a minute. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. The seven years have gone. One sentence in the Bible, seven years pass. I love this stuff, right? Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? I love how we can make bad decisions in life, and then when something turns around and happens to us, we're like, what is going on here? This is not fair. This is not right, man. This will not stand. Right? This is his attitude. 
Well, seven years have passed since he made that mistake. These are the way we think. Well, that was a long time ago. I'm a new man today. I'm a new creation. I'm not going to reap what I sow. Okay? <laughs> Why then have you deceived me? What a great question coming from the deceptor. What a great question. Why have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. He had an answer for everything, guys. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also before the firstborn. Oh, we will give you this one also. I lost my place, I'm sorry. We will give you this one also for the service, which you will serve with me still another seven years. So if you agree to serve me seven more years, I'll let you have this one too right now. But you're stuck with this one. She's yours. And if you want this one too, the one that I originally agreed to, because of our customs, you're going to have to serve me another seven years. Then Jacob did so. And fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. Fourteen years of hard work. Deceived. Just the same as he deceived. But he forgot all about it, right? Forgot all about it. Why have you deceived me? That's a great question, yes? Do you ever ask those kind of questions when you've done somebody dirty? And they call it karma. I call it reaping what you sow. That's how the Bible puts it. You ask that question, it's like one of those stupid rhetorical questions because you know the answer. You feeling it? That's Jacob here. It's like, dude, this guy burned me, man. I knew I was going to get that. I had it coming. Did he acknowledge that in the story? It doesn't say that. But the fact that he served another seven years for what he wanted tells me that he did. Because he could have argued and said, I'm taking her. This is what we worked for. This is what we agreed to. He didn't do that. He accepted that he was burned, and he agreed to serve seven more years. That, to me, is his way of expressing, I got what I had coming to me. I'm okay with this. It's not fair, in my eyes. Remember we talked about that? Remember I talked about evil? You consider what's evil something more evil than the way you think or feel. Remember that? That's what, Jacob, that's what happened for Jacob here. So let's look at some of my notes I got. I know you all want to go home. This is everything I pulled out. I've got a commentary that I go through that I really love and enjoy. So Jacob's purpose changed on this journey. Do you remember why Jacob left and went on this journey? Well, he was actually fleeing from his brother. So he left because he had to flee from his brother because his brother wanted to kill him. 
And his father blessed him and sent him there, and he's on a mission to go get a wife. But his purpose that he's leaving is he's leaving because he's fleeing from Esau. But his purpose changes on this journey. Because you remember what happened on that journey last week that I shared with you when he had that dream. And God showed up in his dream. And then when he woke up, he set the stone on, the, the, he created the pillar with the stones, right? It's there that Jacob's j- purpose for this journey changed. Because then he knew he was no longer running from his brother. He knew that God was going to protect him and be his care and provider. So he was now focused on a bride. Did I write that? B? He was now focused on a bride? Did everybody get that one? He was now focused on a bride. Because God told him, I'm going to bless you just like Abraham, just like Isaac, and you're going to have massive descendants. So now he's like, okay, I've been sent on a mission to get this bride. I just had this dream from a God I've never had anything to do with before. He wakes up feeling refreshed, like I'm on a mission to find this wife because I'm going to have a lot of descendants, right? But well, he gets down there and he's going to get burned later, right? Yeah. His quest was now to fulfill the promise given to him at Bethel. That's what I'm saying. He's now on a mission to fulfill that promise. The promise is you're going to be... You're going to have all the descendants. And you remember I pointed out the one thing different about Jacob compared to Abraham and Isaac was that with Abraham and Isaac, God said, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be, have a lot of descendants if you stay here in this land, if you do this. And then with Abraham, take your son and sacrifice him and I'm going to bless you, right? God had all these obstacles in the way, these ifs, these ifs. If you do this, I'm going to do this. And Jacob was the first one that he didn't do that. He just said, because of their faithfulness, this is what I'm going to do for you, period. That was it. No ifs. And I also pointed out to you that Jacob was the deceptor. Isaac didn't do that. Abraham didn't do that. Well, Abraham did. I said that twice now. Abraham lied about his wife. But I'm saying Abraham didn't go out and literally burn somebody to steal something. Right? So here's Jacob does that. Jacob's spirit after this encounter with God and on his way there is now unselfish. Because when Jacob arrived at the watering well, he went to work to feed those sheep for somebody else, a man he's never met. His spirit is now unselfish. Part two, this story parallels the servant story of meeting Rebekah. Yes, do you remember this story? When Abraham had Isaac and he wanted him to have a wife, Sarah had been passed away already for many years. And Isaac says, or Abraham says to the servant, you're going to go and find the wife for Isaac. And when he goes, he ends up at a well. And they were feeding camels, right? Watering camels. And remember he said, Lord, if you're going to make the servant this, she's going to do this, 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 this. And Rebecca came and did those things, right? This story parallels a lot of that. Same thing. This story parallels it. A, the servant arrived at the well. So did Jacob. There was a divine encounter at the well. The servant prayed for all those crazy things to happen. And while Jacob shows up there on a long journey, it's a 400-mile journey, minimal. He shows up, and the day he shows up, at the time he shows up, there's people there for him to have a strike up a conversation with, 
and he's able to ask about Laban. We know him. Of course they do. Because whoever was going to be there was divinely placed there because they were going to know who he needed to meet. That's how God works. And then right then while he's having this conversation, who comes walking up with her sheep, with her father's sheep? The woman he's going to fall in love with. A divine encounter happens at the well. In that moment, Jacob knew God's plan to bless and lead him. Just like the servant prayed that prayer, when she came up, he knew that was it. He knew that was his one. Right? He knew it. Let's look at the divine encounter. He picked up his feet, happened onto a spot where a well was located. It happened to be near Haran, where Laban lived, and it just so happened that Rachel, Laban's daughter, was coming to the well at the moment he arrived. The fact that this meeting took, the fact that this meeting took place at a well is significant because a well was often associated with God's blessings. Those were my personal notes that I wrote in there to share with you. I grabbed that out of the story. See what I'm saying? This was another divine encounter. Divine encounter, you're here today. Hearing about divine encounters. The timing was the work of the same loving, sovereign God who brought you here today. Period. In Spanish, y punto. That's how my wife says it. That's her way of saying that that's it. Yes, ma'am. Bullet points three. Laban embraced Jacob as a son, yet would treat him like a profane person. Do you remember I told you about that with Esau? You remember I shared with you that Esau would receive the blessing of a profane person. Jacob embraced, Laban embraced Jacob as a son, yet he would treat him like a profane person. Here was his sister's son who'd been sent there. His sister had already left on a divine encounter. He was a part of the action when they were like, we know that your God brought you here and that this and that. And he didn't want to let his sister go in the beginning, but he did. They did. She went. This is her son. This is his sister's son. And he hugs him and betrayed him like Judas. Yes? He kissed him, just like Judas, which was a proper greeting of family. Then he offered to pay him fairly for the work he was going to do. He offered to pay him, I love that word, fairly. You've been working for me for a month. I like that. Remember I told you, Jacob wasn't a sissy, sissy boy. He was a worker, just not his brother. He'd been working for a month, and he said, hey, you're family. You shouldn't work for free. Tell me what you want. I want that woman that I fell in love with, the one I've been talking about and doting over and staring at for the last month. No problem. I would rather give her to you than anybody else. Work for me for seven years. Seven years later, burn. Betrayed. Judas. Over seven years, 30 shekels. Here you go. I'm burning you. Oh, you want her too? Sorry, that's not our custom. He had an answer for everything. You ever meet people that do that? They have an answer? Chris, you're a pastor. 
You ever meet somebody that says something to you that you know you did them, they did you so wrong, you were much younger, and you thought, I can't punch them in the face right now because of what they just said. They made it okay. Maybe nobody else was young like me. I was a wild guy when I was young. But that's what I'm thinking here, right? Like, he, he said to him, like, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do about it. It's not our custom. You've lived here long enough. You should know our customs. I know that we agreed to that. But you were about to make me break a tradition. That's her. Yes, dear. She's like, wrap it up. (laughs) Bullet point four, Jacob's joyful prospect of marrying Rachel would turn into a nightmare. Yeah? Dream come true. That's the woman I love. That's the woman I want. She's the one. I want her. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her. I'll work seven years for her. And then he got burned. And he got burned. Right? It turned into a nightmare. I like that I wrote this in my notes. In Laban, Jacob met his match. His deception, he would now be deceived and couldn't say anything about it. Just like he probably felt with Esau when he stole that blessing. Hey man, you sold me that blessing for that meal that one time. You were hungry and dying and said you didn't want it. You said you were going to starve. That you would literally die. You said that to me, and I said, give me the birthright. That includes everything. You sold it to me, man. In Laban, Jacob met his match. That's not our custom here, young Jacob. You can try to come up against my army of people. Might not do you very good. You could complain, but I'm the judge, jury, and executioner around here. This is my land. He couldn't do anything about it, you guys. Laban would be God's act of discipline for Jacob. Yes? Laban would be God's act of discipline for his deception. Remember I told you guys last week, it was God's plan and prophecy over Jacob. The older will serve the younger. He didn't have to deceive and do it that way. It would have still ended up his. But I told you, him and the mom took it into their own hands to make it happen. Let's force God's hand. Force God's will. This was God's will. We're going to make it happen because it doesn't look to my eyes like it's going to go the way it's planned. You ever do that? Anybody do that with God's will in your life? Yep, right here. Jacob's deception led to his own deception. It's my favorite part of the story. He reaped what he sowed. So let's look at it. In bullet point five, Jacob would suffer. He would suffer. What would he suffer, Chris? A, 20 years of drudgery, affliction, affliction, and deception lie ahead of him. When he showed up there, ready to marry that woman that he fell in love with, and he hung out for a month, his dream turned into a nightmare. What lied ahead of him was 20 years of drudgery, affliction, and deception. 
That is what was waiting for him in Haran. Laban would be God's act of discipline for Jacob. He would become the object of trickery. Oh, you duped me, man. I got to owe you seven more years. That wasn't right. Here's my favorite part. He would understand how Esau felt. Don't you love it when God does that? I had to take a big two-by-four to take your shins out to get your attention to realize that what you did was wrong, and I need you to have empathy and understand what you did to that person. He would now understand how Esau felt when he deceived him. Because what was most precious for Esau to receive, he took. And now what was most precious to him was about to be taken when he didn't get the wife he wanted. The words of Laban must have pierced his heart. You ever have somebody say something to you and it just like cuts you through the soul because you know they're right. And you know you're wrong. And you knew you had it coming. You knew in that moment this was God's act of discipline. And you were like, man, Laban's words must have pierced his heart. Laban offered a technicality, a local custom, to hide his deception. Ooh, the great deceiver. That's what the devil does. That's how the devil works. Your enemy, he doesn't even have to argue with you. He doesn't need to argue with you. You think you're smarter than the devil? He's been fooling people for thousands of years way smarter than you. He'll offer technicalities of customs to hide his deceptions in your life. This is normal in America. This is normal what we do about here, around here. We were talking about that last night. We were talking about my wife and her cousin were saying, are you high maintenance? Are you a simple man? Yes, I'm high maintenance. And no, I'm not a simple man. And when I looked into it and answered why, I was like, because there's so many things that we do in today's world that are considered normal. The way we live our life. I'm like, I got to do two showers a day. I got to do this. I shower right before I go to bed because I don't want to take the day into my bed. I don't want the day into my sheets. I, I do this and I do this. And I, and I was looking at all these things I do in life that I do because of custom. New custom, new tradition. The enemy can use stupid stuff like that to draw you away from God. That's how he operates. Here's a good one. If you don't work for 10 hours a day to 12 hours a day, you might not be able to pay your bills. And while you're in the workplace, you're not allowed to talk about religion. You only have two hours in the evening when you get home to spend with your family. And you'll be too busy to do that because I have a Netflix subscription for you because that's normal and everybody watches it. Now, where are you going with that, Pastor Chris? I just took you 14 hours out of doing God's will through what we call normal. The enemy's greatest trick is letting you know he doesn't exist. The enemy's favorite thing to do with you because you follow, chose to follow Christ and gave your life to him is to immobilize you, that you do no work from now till you die. Do nothing. That's what he wants. Boy, I feel really great in my life. I feel like I'm not under attack. 
that's a bad place to be. Because if he's not attacking you, then you are obviously not doing anything right. Because he's already won. He's won the battle with you. Laban's stinging words left were left without any comment. Laban said it, period, y punto. I can't let you marry her because I have to do the older daughter first. That's tradition. But if you, work, if you promise to work seven more years, you can have this one, y punto. There was no more agreement or negotiation after that. Laban just said, that's it. Pierced the heart much, huh? The Bible demonstrates over and over that a man reaps what he sows. This event was simply God's own decree against Jacob. He was going to bless Jacob. We, we, we're going to go into deep into Jacob's sons and the 12 tribes of Israel, and Jacob's about to be renamed Israel, God's chosen man, God's chosen people. But he had to go through a process here. Because the young Jacob that was willing to pull those deceptive moves had to be changed from the inside out. This was God's decree against Jacob. He reaped what he sowed, and he had to learn these lessons so that he could understand how Esau felt, so that he could become the man that God needed him to be. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. Jacob's own deception would be a great example of what I'm sharing with you. Some people call it irony, poetic justice, karma, but it's more than all that, folks. It's divine retribution in which there was a measure for measure turn of affairs. Measure for measure right here. Tit for tat. An eye for an eye. The Old Testament. Very Old Testament right here. God orders the affairs of people to set things right. Laban would be God's act of discipline against Jacob. Now, you've heard me say this many times, and I'm going to repeat it again because it's one of my favorites. Have you ever seen God take a wrong and make it a right? Yes. God is the only one who can do that. He can take your wrongs and make them a right. But I'm going to add a point today. It doesn't always come without consequence, does it? God can take your wrongs and make them right. David lusted over Bathsheba. He wanted her. He had her unwed. She got pregnant. Baby died. He had her husband killed. Second child becomes Solomon. Bloodline of da uh, Joseph, father of Jesus. God takes crazy wrongs and makes them right but they don't come without consequence. What happened to the first baby? And what else happened in David's house after that? The sword never left his house after his bad decision. But God still took that wrong and made it a right. In Jacob's case, the deception, the deception here was perfectly fitted. It was divine punishment to bring his own craftiness before his eyes. Because when you make mistakes... If you don't deal with it, you're like, out of sight, out of mind. God had to reveal to him his own craftiness. Do you remember what you did to your brother? Oh, you do now, don't you? Oh, you do now, don't you? 
See that wall over there? We've got a sign there. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, they're all three one. So this same God who helped Jacob reap what he sowed, he's also the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I don't want to see anybody come to church on crutches, minus Angel, because of her knee, because God had a two-by-four you to get your attention about something. Amen? All right. I better wrap it up. My wife's waiting for me. I'm really excited, guys. We're going to keep going. We're, we're going to keep going. We're diving in here. Deep dive, Old Testament stuff. I'm trying to bring us to the surface. You know? Not surface stuff. But I'm trying to bring us down. I could do like a bird's eye view of the Old Testament, but I'm like bringing us into the city here. I like to be there. I like to pick apart what's going on. So I'm really excited for what God's continuing to do here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your message, Lord. I thank you for your hope. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you that you love us, Lord. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I thank you in advance for what you're going to continue doing in our lives. I pray away bad decisions, Lord. Remember that I tell these people, Lord, when we know you, we don't become sinless, but we sin less. And so, Father, I pray that they sin less, Lord. I pray that you bring things to their eyes without having to knock their feet out from under them, Lord. Help them to take daily inventory, and when they're wrong, promptly admit it. Lord, I pray this for me, for this people, that we love you, that we're able to honor you, to follow you, to continue serving you, Lord. We show up here each week faithfully for you, Lord, as best we can, to the best of our ability, Lord. We come here, and we give you our heart when we're here. And Lord, help us when we're not here to continue giving you that same heart in all other areas of our life, Lord, so that we sin less. Help us not to deceive our family, friends, those in the world, Lord. Help us, help us to just be a vessel of your truth, your love, your light, your hope, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for, for new faces today. I thank you, Lord. You're doing amazing things in this church. I lift these people up to you, Lord. And we'll see you here next week. In Jesus' name, amen.